0: I'd like to take this opportunity to acknowledge the Keech, Chumash, and Tongva tribes, the traditional custodians of the land, Los Angeles, that this podcast is being recorded on, as well as paying my respects to their elders, past and present. Dolly, a great party. We all
1: drank it got
0: In a first for Weirder Together, my wife and co-host Ione Skye has written an introduction for a guest. The formality is up-leveled. Our Take get- it away, Ayone.
2: <laughs> <laughs> we, go- we don't. We're this, going. This, is it, this is it. She's going to introduce you. Okay. So that'll be the beginning, or it's already begun? <laughs> it's going. <laughs> it's, it's begun? Going. It's begun? Going. Oh, yeah. It's, it's begun. begun. Oh, man. Really hey, begun. Let me just but let's hear your intro. Let's hear your intro. Oh, I'd love an intro. Uh-huh. If we want
0: to review and know if it's accurate or if you have any. Oh. You'd like yeah. to challenge the introduction. The whole to thing but could then be Then just-
1: we could just flow. But okay. this I is like the formal. Our guest today is an actor, stand-up comedian, musician, artist, and writer. He's best known for the voice of Roger Rabbit, but also gave an iconic performance in shows like Welcome Back, Cotter, Laverne and Shirley. He was in David Fincher's Zodiac alongside me and Back to the Future 2. He had a life-changing experience after seeing a Salvador Dali painting and started doing visual art himself. He also made contributions to science, patented an invention that measures the golden ratio. He's written a scientific paper published on the Cornell University website. He gave a talk, a TED talk, on the mathematical concept he developed developed called mole leads. And he is the originator of the quote, if you remember the 60s, you weren't really there. Beautiful babies, please welcome to Weirder Together, Charles
2: Fleischer. Thank you very much. I must say, of all the introductions I've ever received, and there's been at least five or maybe ten, that was the most extraordinary just detailed and bits <laughs> that one would never even imagine.
0: What caught you up by surprise? I'm sure then? you've
1: heard yeah. this is pulled from, there's so much written about you, but we pulled well, together. I'm sure there's more even, but of course, but. Well, there is, is definitely more, but <laughs>
2: it's only a half hour show, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. But listen, the Ioni Sky Charles Fleischer vehicle Zodiac is, um, you know, it's not often referred to as and such, I but I really fa- that was the driving force. This is yeah. the
1: only time I've sort of worked. My father had a song, Donovan in Zodiac. So right. I felt, I felt like, close to him somehow but I know quite a few people I'm sure you do who were in Zodiac that I didn't uh, you know have a scene with but a lot of people were in Zodiac right yeah, that we knew amazing movie do you remember that David Fincher I don't want to I never like to drag people but he's nice to everyone but he had a harder time with uh, um, Jake, Gyllenhaal. Jake? Jake Gyllenhaal and you had the <laughs> scenes with Jake he was a little like everyone he was nice to and I heard he
2: Well, I still found him nice to everyone. I mean, he's the director. He's not there to be nice. Right. I mean, you want to be nice, but you know, it's, well, um, the scene I had with Jake in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, when the the turnaround, it was a hundred takes or something. And I think Jake was getting annoyed with that. And I think subsequently, Jake kind of said, "You know, I think I was a little jumpy or something." But he uh, kind of—I think they resolved.
0: Yeah, that's listen sure. to the Hollywood diplomacy. This you only develop this type of Hollywood diplomacy through decades.
2: Of, you know, okay, career, well, uh, because you said that, I want to like reverse that up. <laughs> uh-huh. Man, that guy was a nightmare. <laughs> both of them, both of them did a the finisher thing, you know, make yeah. the light brighter. Yes. And the hat is too red. <laughs> and then the, the, the Jake thing, oh my God, with the hats and the ball bearing <laughs> earrings and everything. Well, uh, Jake went to school with uh, with my kids. Oh, nice. So I knew him when he was a little kid. I remember they did a production of Grease. Uh, based on the country, not the
0: oh, musical, because,
2: nice. yeah. you know, it's like school. <laughs> About the collapse of the economy. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, that and the uh, apocalypse and the acro polytic mm-hmm. <laughs> of uh, Acapulco and Acapulco. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, diplomacy is important if you want to be diplomatic. Honesty is the essence, and I think you could tweak anything to to appeal to this crowd or that crowd or your crowd.
1: Yeah, that's to sure be able to be able to dish and not hurt anyone. That's like the nice that's
0: the best. Charles, how do you self-identify in terms of your career? You've had this like incredible career. Would you call yourself are you an artist? Are you a like I see you as like a philosopher almost with performative tendencies.
2: I, I rather like that. I am a philosopher with performative <laughs> tendencies, which I've written for thousands of decades, actually. Uh, I, artist would, would kind of get to the core, but, um, a deeper core, I see myself as a scientist. Um the artist in me wakes up and goes, wow, it's a beautiful day. And yet the scientist goes, uh, yes, but how does it work? Mm-hmm. What is the manifestation of that? And uh, that whole kind of right brain, left brain thing. And uh, Arthur Kessler once wrote this book called The Act of Creation, where he compares a scientist and a gesture because they're both essentially creating these uh, uh, by association of two different concepts of, um, uh, let's say, electricity and magnetism becomes electromagnetic frequency. And I used to uh, do a bit of a Japanese Bob Dylan. So it's two things that don't normally go together. When they come together, that's the punchline. When they come together, that's the solution.
0: An impression from a different era.
2: It's all the same, really. Yeah. It's just a matter of difference, what it is or what it wasn't. And that it's an attitude more than anything else.
0: <laughs> Being an artist and a philosopher and a scientist, how does the how does show business because I also see you as someone kind of in love with show business, which I think we all are,
2: right? It's not really, not a choice. I mean, you know, a garbage man uh, who's really dedicated I love cans. I love the smell (laughs) of rotting fruit. I don't mind barking dogs. I love the hydraulic lift. I love garbage. I live garbage. (laughs) It's, you know, it's passion for what you do. Yeah, Uh, yeah, show business, it's uh, standing up and uh, entertaining people. Or even if it's like sitting down and writing to entertain people, it's, Trying to do things that hopefully will elevate other people's lives. So there's kind of a deeper, almost altruistic kind of vibe. On yeah, I want to make people's lives better. I want to increase the value the value that they have for themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That sounded like a lot of rubbish to me. <laughs> no, <laughs> I love good. that. I, it do sounded you, good, but I don't believe in that. You, um, He's just poking fun.
1: <laughs> do you have other scientist friends at this point, or?
2: Uh, through time, there have been people that I, I've corresponded with, and, um, there's a mathematician in, uh, in Europe who saw my TED talk and, uh, commented on that, and then, uh, he wrote these little programs to take aspects of moleids, which is my mathematical formula, and, um, extrapolate them to create different graphs that show higher levels of moleids. Because without going into too much detail, but uh, any prime number generates this symmetrical moleid system, which goes together to go into pairs that add to whatever the prime number was. And I did 37, because that was the basic one of only 36 parts. But he performed these functions using programming. So I could see the symmetrical, Displacement of uh, of all these parts at, at different levels.
0: I love your your TED talk you did on Mo Leeds was amazing. Thank it's, you. I'm gonna, I'll hyper, I'll put a link to it in the show notes so people watch it. Um, gotcha. But part of what's amazing about it is that it's comedic too. So you, I feel like there's a performance art aspect where what you're saying has mat- mathematical truth to it but it's also designed to make people
2: think differently the actual act of
0: hearing the information is meant to make people think
2: differently exactly not only that but by utilizing comedy as part of the presentation it allows immediate access because when you laugh you kind of you All shut right. down certain barriers or you elevate the barrier and then shut it down so by uh creating comedy it just uh it allows people to accept it and different reactions like some people thought it was all comedy right you know that I was just I was making fun of uh, of other um theories of everything
0: but does that right. frustrate you if people underestimate the sort of seriousness of a concept because they're laughing or they assume it's comedy
2: it, you can't I mean, you could, but if you allow uh, ignorance or stupidity or just uh, inability to visualize something out of their realm to frustrate you, then you're going to always be frustrated because there's never going to be a totality, a, a unity of, of everybody's opinion. Mm. So it's just uh, I expect it. You know, you expect uh, certain people will not get you. Certain people didn't like the Beatles. Some people don't like Jesus. I mean, it's just I think one of the secrets of life is Some Trump. people don't like Trump what (laughs) have you heard hold on trump is still president (laughs) and i can prove that right now biden is a fake president we have two armies the good one and the bad one anything that's good is the trump army i I know you're joshing me
1: you did you start with stand-up and were you it was the classic you were in new york and you were in the the village at the cafe Wa? no i wish it'd been
2: that uh Nine years old, I went to Camp Kiwani, La Plume, Pennsylvania, and uh, they had like a talent show, and I did stand-up when I was nine. Basically, I was doing uh, Jonathan Winters bits, and then I was doing summer stock at the Pocono Playhouse, and uh, I left to go back out to Southampton, and there was a club called the Cat Baloo, and uh, I went and said, I want to do stand-up, and I said, okay. And there was a group on before me, and I played my harmonica with the group, which uh, won over the crowd and made them like, hey, yeah, yeah, that was good. So the next night I went back, and there was no other acts, no harmonica, anything, and I just started cold, and it was, you know, diametrically opposed. It was like within two nights I, I killed and I bombed. Right. But okay. that was the start of uh, of doing stand-up, and then I continued that in Chicago.
1: Chicago. Oh, well, that's good. And yeah. the
0: acting came organically out of building a stand-up career. And
2: well, the a- acting. I was in Chicago to study at the Goodman Theater. Oh, nice. And which is uh, something that I'm really glad I did because it kind of stripped me away of doing shtick. You know, like the teachers would say. You know, the voice is the last thing you do. You build the character. You build it not the funny voice. No, build the character, and uh, and you had to be in plays. And uh, the you know the run for a period of time. I was Starman Jones and Robert Highland, nice Brian Friel lovers. I mean, uh, check off just all that stuff is really good training.
1: Amazing. Wait, that's Chicago, right?
2: That's Chicago. That's the good That's like theater. the
1: best theater. That's the the thing. Yeah, I always had an insecurity because I did, I was I wasn't Lana Turner, but I was discovered like as if I was someone like that where i didn't have i didn't go to rada i didn't do theater so i you know i felt you know real actors to that more than what you did
2: well after two and a half years the the faculty wore; they were not pleased that i was doing stand-up in clubs and uh i decided okay well i'll leave and i went to uh California. I asked Del Close at Second City, right across from the Earl of Old Town a Club, that I worked, with, where Steve Goodman and John Prine I used to see those guys, and he said, "You know, go to California." I came out here, 1974. We're we'll here, man. 1974. I come out here. I was in a show called Hawkins with Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> My first <laughs> oh, first little things. Amazing. And uh, oh, even before that, I was on. Uh, I was on Laughing. Oh, right. Yeah. I was the Discovery of the Week on Laughing.
1: Oh, amazing.
2: That was uh, so. Wait, even let's just. Go back for one second. Del Close.
0: Any good Del Close stories? Well, I'm sure I, I read the Bob Odenkirk book and was like just fascinated by him interacting with him later in Why life. Why are
1: people people are fascinated with he was like a wizard, life changer right? for people, right?
2: I, um, I, I just, uh, I really don't know anything about him other than he said, Go to California, oh, <laughs> a mystic. My- <laughs> Go to California. John Belushi's here. Go.
1: My mom had a restaurant at the improv, and and uh, Bud Friedman was he was sort of she didn't have the best time with him, but but I probably saw I don't know, will you? I don't know if you would have did you, you do
2: the improv? Was that probably one did in your or spots? In, not in Chicago? No, no, oh, yeah, oh, oh yeah, yeah, he, yeah that's
1: where yeah, my yeah. mom and there was the one here, the improv here. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: yeah Kitchen. yeah, when I it uh was, there was the comedy store was first, yeah, and then uh. The improv and then there was a comedy store in Westwood. There were some nights where I would do like go from comedy store to the Comedy Store Westwood, and then to the improv, that's another place, you know, get as many shows in a night as possible.
1: I, I grew don't... up with Pauly Shore a little bit and Mitzi, Mitzi I hung out with a little bit, but uh um we went to she had a, like a memorial that was sweet. But uh mm-hmm. yeah, Pauly was sort of my brother's friend really. But he had that was fun for him to see all the comedians growing up.
2: Yeah, and I think it influenced him. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> his, uh, you know, he had uh, kind of a meteoric rise moment. That depends how diplomatic I should be.
1: Yeah, no. But, I mean, he uh, recently had, there was like a funny, uh, viral thing because he voiced Pinocchio in an incredibly terrible.
0: Like a really C grade Pinocchio animation came out, uh, and Paulie was the voice. And
1: for some reason, it came off like a sort of. A gay, frustrated gay son, and so it became. It was, cause it, it
0: was, he was like, "Father, father." <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, it sounded
1: like a boy. It was like, "I need to live my life," and so it became like a a, a Twitter, TikTok, or yeah, whatever TikTok like thing. But um, he he anyway.
2: Well, I always questioned Geppetto. Just you know, this grown man with a little wooden puppet. Oh uh, yeah, like Geppetto file.
1: Yeah,
0: I, I'm sure you know. <laughs> hey, Jipper, you
2: know. Hey, come to this, Jumbero.
0: So Charles, you came up alongside so many amazing comedians and you you know, you you took the path of mastering that craft, right? And I'm curious what were the like essential truths you realized through spending so much time on the stages about comedy, about what makes people laugh about Well,
2: the essential truth is make them laugh. Hmm. That's really doesn't go too far beyond that. But I also uh, tried to employ other aspects of being theatrical things that I got from Goodman. Like most comics would just stand there and I, I would try to use the whole stage, just like, uh, you know, you learn in, in theater. And instead of just doing uh, a monologue, I tried to incorporate other elements. When I first began, I used uh, these musical instruments that I invented the teutonophone, the tatunophone. I used to play... uh,
0: Describe those. What are those? Tatunophone. Even the Uh, difference between them? The name is amazing. The
2: teutonophone was 22 pieces of lead pipe that I constructed when I was in a dorm at Goodman uh, because part of it wasn't finished. And it was just all linked together like an abstract bugle. I had my trumpet mouthpiece with me. I plugged it in, and it was in B-flat. <laughs> and then I had the tattoo form, which was less and had a larger <laughs> bell. And then I realized that I could play buildings as musical instruments. And uh, Lynn Van who used to write for the Chicago Tribune. Uh, did a story on me because uh, I played the uh the Sears Tower.
0: How? How did
2: you play? Okay, uh, it's still it. in construction, so there's conduit running throughout the building, empty pipes. So I took my trumpet mouthpiece with an amplifier, a little Pignose amp, and placed it up onto the open conduit, and played it like a giant abstract bugle. Right. Then uh, it was on the ABC News once, and an ABC affiliate in Cleveland flew me to Cleveland to play a building there. Amazing. And I, I remember having dinner in a restaurant with my sketchbook and eating a lobster they paid for, thinking, I played a building and I made a lobster. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> you went viral before there was a term for I, it. I mean, I would, you, you understood what viral ideas well, and uh, culture meant, uh, I think. You know, I would yeah.
1: love to see a a, like a cartoon film of that, like you lying in a bed looking at pipes in the <laughs> dorm and then like, I'm going to make it. And then like the, f- the visual of them playing the building. Has, well, is there an animated film? When like?
2: I, oh, there should be. When yeah. I came out here, I wanted to play the Century City Twin Towers. I was going to play Dueling Buildings. And I actually got huh. fairly uh, high up in the, at the hierarchy of who could say yes or no, and they nixed it. And then I wanted to play the Alaska Pipeline. Which should have been like a big—I don't want to it be. big. It's
0: controversial, controversial,
2: controversial, and like a large <laughs> instrument, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh it would have been record-breaking, but um, but that alas did not happen. I haven't played building, I haven't played a building in years. I missed it though, you know.
0: <laughs> did Did you always have? So you're you're like inventing instruments, and you're interested in these more esoteric concepts. But were there periods? I'm always interested in this with performers. Were there? Periods where you
2: thought you could kind of play the game and be a normal performer. Well, normal uh, to me that was that's not even playing the game. To me, that's giving up. I mean, right. I think you have to follow your heart and follow your passion. It's, otherwise, what's the point,
0: you know? And you always knew that.
2: Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah, yeah. Uh, just from people that I admired, like uh, Jonathan Winters or Groucho Marx. You know, if Groucho tried to be somebody else, I don't think it would work. <laughs> It's uh, I saw this letter once to Charlie Chaplin from Universal or something saying, "Uh, lose the cane, lose the funny walk, <laughs> lose the mustache. It's not gonna work." Yeah, you know, if you gotta follow.
1: And inevitably, follow you do end up brushing with commercial things anyway.
2: For my standup, that was that's always personal. That's you know that's my vision. But as an actor, you know, it's like I always took the attitude where. I don't care if it's bad. I just I'll be good in my little yeah, part, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of little parts that I did, and some were good, some were bad. That that uh, I was in enough of those, so that I can go to a comic con and get Ooh. people like some people from Night Shift or yeah. Nightmare at Elm Street or all these little bits that I did on top of. Uh, other stuff that you know
1: i want to get on i i i don't have anything that's comic-con worthy i'm like <laughs> I, I i wanted avoid you know these things you can like kind of rely on you can uh, cash,
0: in on. cash in on keep yeah, cash in on. Zodiac. Like, uh, yeah maybe yeah especially yeah. like the horror con
1: yeah 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 i gotta get yeah maybe i'll ask my manager after this <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah definitely
0: of, of of all the i mean you have so many amazing stories and i love on instagram when you share little photos from the past and things but who would you say is the greatest mind you interacted
2: with on your journey through show business? The greatest mind? Oh, I would say my mother. It sounds kind of corny, but there's some kind of truth in it because it's not really show business. But uh, not just a mind, but her uh, her heart and her, um, just uh, what I learned from her. From both of my parents, I got two valuable lessons, uh, my father was always treat everybody the same you know i don't care if he's a king or a bump treat them all the same and my mother was uh it's better to give you know always give and that was uh that was good Mm. and uh for show business i don't know maybe uh wink martindale Who's that? That's just the name that came. Okay. <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he, it's, I, I'm trying to, yeah. I'm trying to bait yeah. you. into it. He was you're, a, you're, a, you're he a was great uh, comedy star, star no? Yet. But you're he giving... was, uh, a game show host, I believe. Really? Wink, Martindale. I couldn't tell you what show.
1: You yeah. have a you, you you sometimes will ask like a very. Because one, I, I, know I know he's, but, he's
2: bumped into
1: genius. I know, I know, but you say like, one person, it's a lot of it. Well, like, I didn't want to say give a list
2: of 10 people.
0: Well, was well, like, yeah. well if there
2: was, if there one was one, really one person, yeah, person yeah, it would come yeah. to who mind. guided me, I would say, reflecting back on that, it would be uh, people whose books I read mm. yeah, yeah. and that uh, influenced me. That's why I think reading and writing is so fascinating because it allows you to essentially communicate with People that haven't been born yet, if you write something, and by reading something, you can, you know, communicate with someone who's been dead for hundreds of years. Together we're reading. we're reading together. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn,
0: you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role.
2: Uh, gurdjieff is one of my heroes i gotta we like gurdjieff do you
0: really oh yeah Oh man especially. we were actually talking about him on an episode who were we talking to was it um w- oh it was no no it was um stephen ogg because he'd never uh, read the uspensky book uh search of the miraculous, Remark- search of the miraculous. The fourth way yeah and um and the, we love the idea of putting yourself deliberately in difficult situations in order to bring out sure. the sort of revolutionary impulse. Well,
2: yeah. if Gurdjieff had had a calculator, I believe he would have discovered Molides. Because, uh, you know, the Enneagram, the Law of Three and the Laws of Seven. And Molides is based on 37. So if he had been able to see what I discovered using a calculator, uh, I always had, I had dreams about Gurdjieff. And I would say the name Gurdjieff without knowing. Like, do you ever see the play Equus?
1: Oh, I, I haven't seen it, but I. Know. Okay,
2: well, the last kid is going, Ek, Ek, and he doesn't know it's relating oh, to that. And I used to go, Gurji. And then I, I had dreams about him, but he was uh, definitely uh, influenced my sub secret psycho oh, yeah,
0: I feel like we shared his music once, like one of us sent the other one his piano playing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember the, put that album. Spotify. Yeah, beautiful record, wasn't it? Yeah. Hartman. Gertrude and Hartman. And the, yeah, the it piano was a harmonium. Yeah, and he and Gertrude would just hum the melodies to him, and
2: Hartman would actually yeah. figure them out. Oh, I think so. it was at the Bodhi Tree we talked about. Right, that. right, right. Oh,
1: the Bodhi Tree. And uh,
2: Buckminster Fuller mm-hmm. would be another person who I actually met at the Bodhi Tree once. Really? And uh, he signed, I had like one of my early Molly notebooks where I was compiling this data, and Bucky signed it for me. That's incredible. Bucky. Did he sign it, Bucky? I've uh, Buckminster Fuller, yeah. but I call him Bucky, yeah,
0: Bucky. I love that name. What do you think, though, about Bucky. these kind of guys, Gertrude, particularly, who, whether or not he asked for it, he ended up being treated like a guru, you know, where people put them above, like people give up their autonomy? Because I've danced in this world of gurus and everything. And it's interesting that the line between admiring someone's ideas and putting them on a pedestal that sort of doesn't account for the actual humanity. Hmm.
2: Um, well, how do you differentiate if someone truly is gifted and, and presents a spiritual package that you can open and enhance your life? I think it's difficult not to to put them in, in a reverent light. I mean, wow, he gave me this gift. It's And perhaps it's up to the giver to say, uh, hey, I don't believe it. Or, or I, just, yeah, I, yeah, I have yeah.
1: something to say, when I think of someone that I'm, blown away by or they influenced me and I view them in a certain light, it feels different to the guru disciple feeling. So I think it's just sort of up to the person because when you're more of the disciple, you kind of give up a part of your brain in a weird way, whereas you can still view someone as like this kind of, I don't know what the word is, enlightened or something, but it's how you're relating to that. If you're you know, appreciating it and viewing it. But but like the tendency to be a follower where you give up, you know, it's kind of like becomes a religion and then it's got the problems of the religion because you're
0: relating to it more yeah, in that it way. It depends
2: how much of your own being you give up.
0: But it also separates uh, great thinkers and artistry and mastery and all that from – It's it's basically saying it's possible to live in a state that's enlightened without flaws – And that I don't believe is possible. Like I think even our greatest thinkers are flawed human beings. If you follow
1: this and learn from Gershif or you know whoever other people, you know you can kind of get through life better than these people because you know something that Gershif is teaching. It becomes like a chosen people thing. Yeah.
2: Well, uh, back to your former question about a person who gave me great influence in show Mm. business, Uh, I heard George Burns once say, uh, "Always finish big." What you? Oh, he said, oh, "Oh, have your wallet on stage.
0: Wait, always have
1: why it on stage? the Join wallet? Jordan. Why just, just in case? Uh, just I don't me.
0: know. Jordan. Oh my <gasps> god, I don't leave wallet. it backstage. Maybe uh, that that's what it is.
2: Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, finish big, and that stuck with me because I Genius. always like to uh, finish with a harmonica, and you know, g- g- a big thing. And Jesus
0: <laughs> finished
2: Jesus. big. Well, it depends how you define big <laughs> and finish." <laughs> oh, some say he didn't finish at all. Right. Right. You We're know, still waiting for his sequel. And uh well it's coming. Yeah. So they say. <laughs> second time. Um Murakami, Haruki Murakami, uh reading his work also informed me. Wind Up Bird Chronicle. Wind Up Bird Chronicle, uh one Q eighty four uh you know uh Kafka on the Shore
0: Mm, I never read that oh that's
2: a really good one and uh, I was definitely influenced by that and I have I started years ago a book of short stories called Out of My Mind which I'm in the days of finishing just buttoning it all up I suspect it will be uh, on Amazon in in the fall hell yeah yeah 10 short stories wow
1: yeah love that
0: yeah, let's talk about your some of these other mediums too because I think your relationship to visual art is, you were very early on d- seeing computer-generated artwork as legitimate art.
2: Yeah, Commodore 64, 16 color, Koala pen. Wow. Yeah, I, I've always loved that. Uh, not that I didn't enjoy still drawing with a pen or painting or any of that, but... I could do stuff on, on a computer where I wouldn't get paint on the floor or where sometimes I'd be drawing something or painting something and then I'd get a little carried away. Oh, that looks like a mouse carrying a football. And then I'm like, wow, it is a mouse football. And then I pull back and, you know, the whole painting I ruin the composition. And mouse and the football ruins the whole thing. But in the digital world, you know, you save that version and then you could take that mouse to the football and save it or have it be the center of its own new piece.
1: You could probably teach people how to do that, too. Not that you'd want to, but...
2: I'd do anything to help humanity (laughs) except for spread the festering of small micro-bugs, which (laughs) itch and cause fever. Itching fever bugs of North Carolina. They're only a tiny hair bigger than a molecule, but my God, they're tasty. (laughs) I met you through Jason Schwartzman
0: and I met you and your daughter Rachel at the same time and became friends with her and became friends with you. What about the journey of being a parent and as well as being such a radical thinker? Like I think they're Interesting to think about Sounds like together. you did the
1: main L.A. thing, like they went to the nice progressive L.A. schools. And- Center
2: for Early Education. Yeah, yeah
0: you weren't where- like, I'm going to homeschool them and no. teach them totally outside the system.
2: No, I'm, but- I'm, not I'm just going to feed them breadcrumbs, <laughs> water, and let them learn for themselves. I kept them shackled to a bed for four years. Why? They learn resilience.
0: You gave and them- the shackles
2: were foam coated, so I don't want any letters.
0: <laughs> but do you think parenting changed your art? It
2: changed everything, yeah. Uh, and that was always something I always, always something I always, redundancy alert, <laughs> it's something that I wanted and I knew it. And, uh, you know, you learn so much about yourself from your children and then from your children's children. And I mean, translating, you know, my more esoteric stance to them, like taking a walk and saying, oh, flower, see, this has fiveness, you know, the petals, it has fiveness. This flower has sixness. And just like trying to give them an overview of things. And then once I asked uh, Jessica, I said, do you think you'll be famous one day? She said, famous like you or really famous? Uh. <laughs> Which I thought, yeah. wow, you got me, kid. Okay. Uh, yeah. yeah, I had similar when we were
0: in Australia. Goldie um, uh, Goldie went to school there for a year and she came home one day and she said, "One," I guess one of the kid's parents had mentioned they liked my music and she said, Some people here kind of like your music. Not me, but some people. (laughs) What is, yeah, how does fame fit into all of this? Uh, Is it something you wanted, or was it a byproduct of your work? Well, I think
2: your knowledge that if you are famous, that usually means that you have been successful in some effort that, you know, reaches people. Um, And definitely there's perks to achieving that. Just, uh, Getting to take my kids backstage to meet Tori Amos or uh, or Aerosmith, or getting a a table at, at Spago. Remember, uh, we used to go put like in the back. Yeah. But then after I was on the Academy Awards presented with Robin Williams, then I sat up front. Yeah. So like, oh, there's there's a difference. Yeah. yeah. But you know, I think it's important also just not to let it get to your head too much just just to realize it's all a game well that's kind of what i wanted to ask you about because with
0: you know you were close with robin williams and you've taken this journey alongside many people that weren't able to balance it with happiness and stability and like what do you see as the difference between people that are able to kind of you know do it long term sustainably and those that aren't
2: oh i have great admiration for anybody that uh, gets there, does it, pursues it, and maintains any kind of sanity. Mm. And, you know, you never really know what what's happening when the doors close. You know, they may have this grand fame, this everything, but they could be, and oftentimes uh, people that have everything have a, a, a sense of, of just hopelessness in a way because they have achieved so much, and yet there's if there's a missing place and everybody has something they're yearning for, and if you have all the wealth and everything, then you kind of have to attribute that emptiness to it's me, man, I got the money, I got the house, I got the career. I'm doing another movie with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt, man, my per diem is more than most people make it a year, <laughs> dude uh that's like it's me i'm I'm a zero as opposed to I've always felt blessed. There have been times where I'd be watching a show go, man, I could have done that, or you know, man, I can't believe they didn't even call me and but then. I flip that pretty quick and say, you know, my guru self says, you are where you are supposed to be. Everything is as it is supposed to be. You do not know the path. If you had achieved that, there could be a dilemma that you would never be too sour. Is it not so? It is so.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because when I look back, I think, well, that was a dry spell, but it's sort of I think that was kind of the perfect time to have a dry spell because I had a two-year-old where I was – painting a lot or I don't know like I look back and you know luckily it hasn't been so dry that I haven't been able to eat but like I feel like I look back and I think that was that was kind of a perfect time for it to be a little dry I mean sometimes of course you know I don't know it's too much or too little but but
2: uh, I think the essence is that you are able to learn from that it's like it's all a lesson it's all something you can use you can grow from it you can manifest it into something good and You know, the duality, being on the mountain or the valley, everybody's going to experience that. So my ideology is to simply reduce my valley time. I know i got to go there because otherwise you just stay up there, you're not going to appreciate it.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Mountain
2: is such a drag, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. All there is
2: is sun and gold. I don't need this. Yeah. But, you know, man, I just was in the valley, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time down here. Go to the valley, shed a tear, and head back up. Yes, I've always said, like, do
0: your wilderness years willingly. Like, don't be like, don't be assuming you can stay under the in the spotlight on the big stage the whole time. Like, when it's time to get off, take your exit and be ready to get back on when it's time to. Yeah.
2: The duality is yeah. uh, essential. And, and, of course, good back to that concept. The Trinity is masked by the duality. You know, there's day and night, and then there's day and night. You know, it's all. The congruency of the individual fluency, which is pronounced but not necessarily understood. That is the essence of the value of virtue and the virtue of value. You know what I'm saying? I know you do, because I can see you nodding.
0: Hey, in other words, fancy pantsy mancy yeah. Fancy-pants-mancy.
2: <laughs> Fancy-pants-mancy, yes. mancy, yeah, that's uh, being able to predict the future by using water hydromancy. Yeah, that blew my mind. You remember that. <laughs> it was a
0: great joke. <laughs> so good. What, what goals do you still have? What, what You've got the book coming out. Like, what do you, you know, you've achieved so many things in different fields, like, What sort of still keeps you kind of awake, yearning, creating? Yeah, it's,
2: uh, you know, I always yearn to reach another level. Uh, There's always another level. And uh, you figure out, well, how can I do that? So if you get to a certain point where... They aren't opening the the playroom for the acting pavilion or or the stand-up club. Say, you know, we're looking for, like, a, a younger person maybe with a little bit of a, it's a prop or something. So, uh well, what can you do? Well, you can do art. You just need to be by yourself, and you can write a book um, or do a math formula. So I ventured those routes and have things to show, but um, writing now and, and having this book is, uh, is my focus to, to take it up a notch. Because I think if you can present something that touches people's souls and you do it in a, a literary way, that can affect people and change your position. Because I know uh, like Murakami or Tom Robbins or uh, Bulgakov, Master Margarita, any of the writers that, that touch my soul so wow, I wanna do that. I wanna I wanna spark people's souls and then that should have a, a reverberation that'll spill back on to me. That's what.
0: I'll always remember I showed you a picture. I was I showed you a picture of something at one point and you turned it over and you measured it the where the break in the wood was and said a golden ratio yeah. between the bits of wood. And I thought that is such an incredible insight into the way you live. That you're also looking for, like, hidden patterns in things and hidden truths, and I found that, I don't know, I found that really, really inspiring.
2: Well, that's how I, most of the discoveries I've made, and particularly in mathematics, is by pattern hunting. I'll take some sort of uh, configuration of math and then turn it into something visual and then look for patterns and then look for symmetry and then extrapolate that and... Mm. That's kind of the...
0: And it's amazing that, like, in a way, the reason we're sitting here today is because I only mispronounced... Doctor Fleischer's name on the last episode, and said Doctor Fleischer, and then we started talking about you. And these are all the hidden patterns of the ways we reconnect.
2: Synchronicity, that's it. Uh, And he was uh, my pediatrician too.
1: (laughs) I know that's crazy. (laughs) Really,
2: when you when you were a child. Well, for the kids. (laughs) For the kids. The third time I was (laughs) attracted. Yeah, because we were looking for somebody that was uh, Lamaze oriented, and you know, the whole uh, more towards the health way. and then uh, it was the time of Heidi or not, but I remember, and no disrespect, I'll try to be diplomatic, uh, he could have been, he, uh, like had a clinic for bugs, but right. I was sitting in the waiting room and yeah. a bug? What the, this is well, a
1: it was di- an old craftsman house, I remember, in sort of Silver Lake or Los Angeles. Yeah, Feliz. Prospect so, Street or yeah, something. Yeah, I think so. And then Jay Gordon peeled off and got a fancy office in Santa Monica that we used to go to, but it was like a you know, clean and fancy, but that one's bad. Yeah. It was like a craftsman house. And so.
0: The bugs came with it. Yeah.
1: Natural. Yeah. That's natural and, medicine. I didn't even it.
2: realize those bugs were very healthy. And yeah. they they had goodness. <laughs> that said, it's a nice man, but he had Dr. Klein. Beverly Hills. <laughs> cool <laughs> If people want to like
0: just learn about everything you're, you've been up to and you've done, is your website, the best place to drive them to?
2: You? I would suggest that would be it. And yeah. it's going to, it'll soon have my, my book there as well. It's uh Charles Fleischer.com.
0: Hey, I'm Ben Lee.com. That's what, when you come in second to that website, that's you got to deal with the dash. Well, yeah,
2: I'll say no, the dash is it. You got a, no space <laughs> between the letters. There's all this technology, and you can't figure out a way to have a website where all the words aren't, the letters aren't crammed together. You've reframed it. I like that. It's the dash, man. The dash is the hippest. <laughs> but .com is still the uh, <laughs> the creme de bambula.
0: Uh, so our audience are called the uh, the Beautiful Babies. It's a, it's a long story of how they became known as such. But would you like to, in your own inimitable way,
2: say farewell to the Beautiful Babies today? I would indeed. I would like to address all the Beautiful Babies that are watching this extraordinary podcast. Don't forget that you were born a Beautiful Baby You still are a beautiful baby. And within your hearts, you have the ability to touch the beautiful babies everywhere. So stay beautiful, little beautiful babies. And remember, if you're not as beautiful as you were, back up from the mirror. (laughs) God bless you. And stay beautiful. All the beautiful babies, you've been lied to. None of you are beautiful. You're all horrid. And that's the way I like it. Goodbye.